Good morning. Um, my favorite memory of Eric and Kana's wedding, it was a beautiful wedding, a uh, beautiful setting, and uh, it was a great service. Uh, but they really party <laughs> at the reception. And uh, so I just remember trying to talk to people right next to me, and I could not hear them because the music was so loud. It was like boom, 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 boom. You know, like, and it was so loud, like my ears are still ringing. Um, but it was, it was a beautiful day, and, uh, and I think they, they, said it, they said it well. Um, you know, it's great to be back. I, I think some of you know that uh, a few of us went to our conference pastor's retreat this past week. And we went up north, um, and uh, the weather was nice. It was cool, unlike, you know, unlike it is down here. And uh, I want to thank those of you who prayed for us. Uh, we really, I know those of us that went, we really appreciate it. And you'll be happy to know that our family survived without us. Right? I don't know how they did it. And by God's grace, we survived being together as, as a group of pastors. I think I mentioned before, uh, up here, when I've shared before, that when I was young, I, I loved sports. I mean, I love sports. I love playing sports. I love watching sports. I love talking about sports. And some of my best memories growing up you know, were playing on, on teams, basketball and baseball teams, playing in tournaments, and, uh, and, and going to local sporting events, right? Dodgers, Angels, Lakers, uh, Rams, you name it. Uh, I, I went to some of those games going, growing up. I would even go to their practice facilities, you know, or the, the team hotels, and I would hound players for, for pictures and for autographs. And, and this is when, like, security wasn't as big a deal, you know, and groupies and fans and things like that. They could, like, I ran into Reggie Jackson, a famous baseball player, in the gift shop, and, you know, things like, things like that. Um, the first paid job I ever I ever got was umpiring and refereeing youth league games, right? and that was a lot of fun. So growing up, sports, sports were my life, right? Sports, and my heroes were all, were all sports stars. Right? I'd watch them, I'd read about them, I'd imagine what it was like, what it would be like to be them. And I think that's probably not that unusual you know, for a boy or girl growing up in this sports-crazed country that we, that we live in. Can you imagine how many kids today will watch Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cub, Aaron Donald, Joe Burrow, right? They'll, they'll watch them play in the Super Bowl. And these, and these players will be these kids' idols for years to come. They will watch them. They will emulate them. They will wear their jerseys. They will talk about them, just, just like I did. You know, or if they're more fans of music and entertainment, they'll watch Eminem or Mary J. Blige or Snoopy Dog <laughs> or Snoop Dog. <laughs> and they'll watch them perform at halftime Right? And they will idolize them, too. Over 100 million people are expected to watch today's Super Bowl. 
right? And for better or worse, these celebrities, they're the stars, right, in our culture today. They're the ones being elevated. They're the ones, right, that people follow. They're the ones that people quote. And I guess it stands to reason, you know, they're the ones on stage, right? They're the ones in the spotlight. When talking about performing at the Super Bowl the other day, Mary J. Blige said, they're going to see us all shine. And I thought it was an interesting choice of words. Right? Because in our passage today, right, we're going back to the Bible, we're going to look at what it means to shine. What it looks like to stand out in the world. And what that has to do with you and me, right, who don't have the platform that these athletes or these entertainers and these celebrities do. We don't have the following that they do. But God wants us to shine. And I want us to look at that this morning. Before we open God's word, though, uh, please join me in a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to open your word. Lord, your word gives life. And your word can speak to us or through your Holy Spirit and it can convict us, it can challenge us, but it can also encourage us and inspire us. Lord, and I pray that you would use your word this morning to speak to us in any way, Lord, that you want, and that we would be changed and transformed in your presence. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please open to Philippians chapter 2. And I'll read from verses 14 through 18. God's word reads, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. You know, as we continue to work our way through Philippians, the Apostle Paul continues to teach and exhort the church. In chapter 1, he makes clear the importance of of the gospel. He knows that they've been facing opposition and he wants them to stand strong. He tells them, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. In the first half of chapter 2, he urges them to be united, right, to be of one mind and one spirit, and to adopt the servant attitude of Christ. Then in the, in the passage right before this one that Pastor Corey spoke on last week, he tells them to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God himself who works in them. In our passage today, I want us to start with the second part of verse 15. If you look at the second part of verse 15, Paul says to the Philippians, Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky 
as you hold firmly to the word of life. Right, there it is. Right, the words shine. God's, God's word through Paul is that the church, his people, you, right, that you are to shine. But, but what does that really mean? You know, when we look at our culture today and we talked about these entertainers and these athletes and these celebrities who are stars in our society, right, what does it really mean to shine? Does this mean we're supposed to dress up, call attention to ourselves, seek the spotlight? Right, hardly. We already learned back in verses 6 and 7, if you're looking at, at the scripture, verses 6 and 7 about the humility of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who though he was the Son of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, it says, he emptied himself, took on the nature of a servant, and became a man. See, this is the difference between stars in God's kingdom and those in our culture today. Believers shine because of their lives and their humility. Whereas worldly shine, right, or stardom, it usually comes from performance and pride. There's a, there's a podcast that some of us on staff um, have listened to recently that talked about a very gifted pastor and teacher whose ministry and popularity, it rocketed almost overnight and his church grew from 100, 200, to like 15,000. But as he grew in power and celebrity status, he began to place pride and self-importance above humility, above servanthood, above sh shepherding. And sadly, this is not all that uncommon but it's hard, it's hard to listen to, it's hard to see a church or a ministry being used that way. And eventually, right, this is the reason for the podcast, but eventually it all came crashing down. Right? And the church is no more, and many people were hurt, many people lost their faith. And I believe damage was done to the testimony of Christ's church. Now, there's a lot more to the story, but it was clear that narcissism is not just a problem in the world. To shine like stars means that we live distinctively for God's glory in contrast to the ways of the world. Well-known evangelist D.L. Moody said, it is a great deal better to live a holy life than to talk about it. Lighthouses do not ring bells and fire cannons to call attention to their shining. They just shine. So if you don't remember anything else from this message, I want you to remember that you are called to shine. I think this is so important because we often downplay, I think we often downplay our role as bearers of the light of Christ. 
In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, Jesus says to his followers, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Like that city on a hill, I think God wants to raise our visibility, and he wants to increase our testimony to those around us. But this is his responsibility to do that, not ours. Ours is just to shine. So Paul tells the Philippians church to shine, right? But, but how? Right? How are they to do this? They're a small church, right, in a hostile environment, in a large, vast Roman Gentile world. Right? In many ways, they're like us. Or, or we're like them. See, the world around us seems to grow more hostile to the faith, more confused, more unbelieving every day as it wanders further away from the truth and the reality of God. To this, Paul says to the church in the first part of verse 15, he says, Be blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. See, Paul knows what we're dealing with. He makes this clear contrast between the children of God and the current culture we live in. And he's saying that we shine when we live in contrast to the world around us. See, the world around us is in decay. When you listen to the news, when you hear about corruption, crime, when you see the blatant immorality or cruelty in society, you can't deny the growing darkness of our world. And yet we have the light of Christ in us. In John 8, 12, it says, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We have that life. We have that light. Amen? Amen. Yet, yet every one of us probably knows how difficult it is to live in contrast and to not conform to the world around us. Right? The world, the enemy, is actively seeking to mold you, to mold us into its likeness. And it's seeking to dim the light in us. And sometimes it does a pretty good job. Right? As a Christian, I notice our light dimming when we when we think like everyone else, when our perspective is the same, our approach to career or money or problems is the same as the world's, that's a sign. I notice our light dimming when we dwell on the same things as the world, when we read, when we watch, when we consume, and we fill our minds with the same things as the world. I notice our light dimming when we behave like everyone else. 
right? When our schedules look the same, when our calendars look the same, basically our lifestyles are the same. And I notice our light dimming when we treat others like the world does. When we judge and we hold grudges and we withhold forgiveness. Right, you see the, see the pattern here. You may wonder where Paul gets his wording, children of God without fault in a, crooked, in a warped and crooked generation. Right, he didn't make that up. He's quoting from the Old Testament. He's quoting from Deuteronomy 32.5 when the Israelites are just about to enter into the promised land. And God tells them their lives should be different from the unbelievers, from the ungodly that they will encounter. See, our lives should be in contrast to the world around us, not the same. Romans 12:2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And without that renewal, without that transformation, we will look no different because we will be no different. Then we will be in danger of what Jesus says in Matthew 5, of losing our saltiness. Right, Good for nothing except to be thrown away and trampled on. So how do we live in contrast to the world? Right? So we go from shining to living counter to our culture to then what? Well, in case you hadn't noticed, we're kind of working our way backwards through the passage. Right? And I'm working back to verse 14, which is where Paul started. And he simply said, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Right? To shine for the Lord, we must live differently from the world. And the way we do that, according to Paul, is by not grumbling and arguing. This is the foundation of acting as a child of God and shining like stars. But grumbling and arguing is, right, it's pretty much a way of life, isn't it? Right? For my family, grumbling and arguing is like a favorite pastime. Right? Or it's a family heirloom handed down. <laughs> it's passed down from generation to generation. My grandparents, my parents, me, my kids, we're experts at it. Right? Monku, monku, monku. Right? That's Japanese, not Greek. Okay. <laughs> right? For complaining and for whining. Right? And, I, and I bet you're pretty good at it too. Right? We live in a culture of complaining and bickering in a constant state of discontent. Never mind that we live in the most free, the most prosperous, and the most comfortable society in all of history. If there's something to complain about, we'll find it. But if it's so commonplace, Right, so pervasive. Why does Paul make such a big, a big deal out of it? 
And how is this the key to shining in the world? Well, I think the answer goes beyond just grumbling and arguing. I think we'd all agree we'd be better off right, if we complained less, if we quarreled less, and we channeled that energy and that emotion right, into something more positive. But ultimately, ultimately, it's a heart issue. Matthew 12, 34 says, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Boy, isn't that true? What's in here, right, inevitably comes out in our speech or in our attitude. Constant discontent may point to a lack of trust in God, a lack of gratitude for the blessings of Christ, a lack of love for one another, a lack of self-control. It's deeper, I think, than just what comes out of our mouth. And this is not to say that there aren't a lot of, right, a lot of problems in the world, right? or in our churches, a lot of issues that need to be addressed. There are. But I think what Paul is saying is that should not shape us. That should not make us that kind of person. And in the church, if we don't tend our hearts and we grumble and argue just like the world does, then our light, our testimony will be lost. So Paul says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Beloved, I hate, to, I hate to say this, but most likely, you'll never have 100, pe- 100 million people watching you. Right? They won't see you perform on stage or on the football field. And it's probably a good thing. <laughs> but you do have influence. You do have relationship, whether it's in your home, your neighborhood, your school, the community center, your workplace. You are to shine in a dark and decaying world. That's what the scripture tells us. God puts you where you are to be a light, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And believe me, people around you will take notice when you tend to your heart and you live in contrast to the world. Just think of the impact you'd have if you stopped grumbling for a day, for a week. If we grumbled less, if we argued less. And God, God will guide you The verse right before this passage, before verse 14, where he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Verse 13, he says, it's God who works in you to will and to act. It is not all about you. It's not about trying harder, necessarily. It is about putting your faith and your trust in the Lord. 
Here's my last thought about this. Jesus is distinctive. Right? Jesus is distinctive. Sometimes I think we look at us as Christians and we think, well, we're like everybody else, but we know we follow an amazing God. And we do. We worship an incredible Savior and Lord. He's the light of the world. He's God incarnate who came to seek and save the lost. We know he's special. But so are you. So are we. So is his church. That's God's word. Let me close with first, uh, a verse, 1 Peter 2.9, which says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's who we are, children of light. And we are to be light bearers of the light of Christ wherever we are. And our job is to shine. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and the prayer counselors to come forward. Um, And I just invite you um, uh, to come and if you need prayer for anything, to feel free to come forward uh, to pray with our prayer counselors this morning. They'd love to pray uh, with you and for you. Right? Uh, let's, let's join our hearts in prayer. Lord, we don't, uh, I don't think we all or we don't often feel like we're worth shining or we're worth standing out and and drawing attention, Lord. And um, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would you would help us to grow in our identity um, and, and in our, our our heart with you, Lord. And that you would help us to see, Father, that you want us to shine. You want us to stand out. You want us to be different, Lord, and not to shine or stand out like the world does but the way you did, Lord Jesus. Humble, taking the, um, the position of a servant, loving, serving, extending grace and mercy to others. I pray that you would help us to be that, uh, to do that and to be that kind of church, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your, your love and mercy to us. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen.